Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. I have had this message kind of burning on my heart Uh, When Danny approached me, I said, yeah, I've been studying in Romans and something's really been, you know, kind of stirring up in there. So we have been praying for you and your family this morning in preparation for the word. Um, I'm always thankful and and grateful for an opportunity to speak the word. But this one is something so, so uh, personal to me this morning. And I pray that when you leave here, you will leave changed. I know that just in talking with a couple of you, uh, just in the few moments before we started, and through the week, I know that there's some of you that are facing some pretty heavy things right now, and this is our prayer this morning, that you go home with an encouragement, with uh, practical ways to face whatever is coming. I, um, I try not to shy away from the hard questions that we have as believers, and again, today, that's what my prayer is, is to give some answers and some practical tools for some of those questions that maybe we're afraid to ask publicly, but we face them privately. So I've entitled my message, Does It Mean He Doesn't Love Me If? As a teacher and a speaker through the years, I've been asked some pretty tough questions. But the two that stand out more than anything is... Is there anything that I could do that would make God stop loving me or love me less or that he can't forgive me for? And the second, has God stopped loving me because I'm going through this difficult trial? We tend to view God's love as conditional, like so many of our earthly relationships, right? If we're kind to someone, we expect them to be kind back. If, if we go out of our way for someone, we expect that to be given in return. But when it doesn't, it's not always a great thing, right? Two of my closest friends from New Orleans are hilarious. They're from some pretty rough neighborhoods. And uh, whenever we were in company of people and someone said something to one of them they didn't like, when you saw the earrings and the shoes coming off and the shoulder drop, it was on. It was, it was like, whoa, 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 stop. Or, or do you have that family member? I'm looking at Danny right now because I know exactly who you're thinking of that n- always had to have the last slap. you know. And even if it was a week later, revenge was coming. So obviously, it's easier for us to love someone who treats us well. But in our friendships, our family relationships, and especially in our marriages, our human nature is that when someone hurts us, we want to shut off to them. We feel betrayal, and we want to guard our heart from further hurt. If love or respect is not given back to us the way that we think it should, we tend to lash out, or worse, give up. I've, I've said this to people in public settings and like, no, Mary, you're, you're such a nice person. Yeah. The people who know me well know that I have a really dark side, <laughs> but always cracks up at me about this. It's like, oh, girl, I don't know how you haven't walked away from me. Because I, not something I'm proud of, but I have 
part of me that's like, you keep doing this to me and I'm going to cut you off. I mean, that's it. It's done. It's over. And there's, I've mentioned my love for um, the Shark Tank. It's Mr. Wonderful. It's like, you're dead to me. You know, that's it. But I have had to learn what long-suffering is. And we talked about that, actually, in, in Women of Influence. Um, how to keep peace in relationships, but more importantly, to show the love of Christ to those that have hurt us. Um, there's a certain person in my life that through the years, continually, when I walk into a room, they're bad-mouthing me. And over and over, I said, that's it. Today is the day they're going to get it. You know, And I always have to remind myself of all that the Lord forgave me for. And I'm better able to give forgiveness to those who did harm to me. I see this daily with Brooklyn and Audrey. Brooklyn and Audrey, you know, Brooklyn is very prim and proper, and Audrey is straight out. She is going to be an MMA fighter, seriously. I have walked into a room where Brooklyn is screaming bloody murder. Audrey has her foot under Brooklyn's neck and both hands pulling her hair, and Brooklyn is wide-eyed and just, you know, flipping out. And, and I get in between them, and I get in trouble because then I punish Brooklyn. Audrey, and Brooklyn's like, no, Mimi, don't, don't do it, don't put her in her room, or don't put her in timeout. I'm like, so I see this forgiveness daily in my home. It's true forgiveness in practice. What joy it is to know that God's love is unconditional. Think about that for a moment. Without condition, without demands, and asking nothing in return. When we think about the fact that God has not given us conditions in order to receive his love, it might sound too good to be true. Surely there's something that I need to do to earn that salvation. There's a great story about a college professor that taught for a couple of weeks on the subject of grace. And when it came time to give an exam on the subject, um, he wanted to really demonstrate the truth of grace to his class. What his students didn't know is that about third way through the, the um, exam, he wrote these statements. You can end the test right now, and I will give you a passing grade. Sign your name, quietly walk out, and it's done. You didn't earn it. It's just a gift. Put your pens down and don't say anything to anyone. But if you choose to finish the test, you will be graded on your work. So as a teacher, as a professor, sorry, sorry, as the professor watched, inevitably heads started popping up and looking around like, uh, is anyone else, you know, did anyone else see this thing? And uh, you could see them nervously looking around, but sure enough, some of them did what was told. They signed their name. They nervously brought the exam unfinished to the desk and left. Strangely though, a good bit of them saw the offer for a free grade and chose to stay and finish. When asked later on why they decided to, to do this, the majority of them answered in two ways. They either didn't believe that it could be true and wanted to make sure they worked for a good grade or they didn't trust the one offering the free gift. 
When it comes to salvation, do you see yourself in either one of those answers? In Romans 5, 6 through 8, we read, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But verse 8 is where the, the power is. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, our part is we have to have faith. Knowing it is great. Coming to church is great. But accepting that free gift, saying, yes, Jesus, I want, to, I want you to be a part of my life. I want to accept that, that free gift of salvation. That is our part. Other translations of this say that while we were utterly helpless, weak and without strength, Christ died for us. There was nothing that we could do to earn that love, that gift. We were helpless to find a way to God except by accepting the free gift of grace. So you see, before we can answer those two questions we talked about earlier, we really have to understand what grace is. If you're taking notes today, our first one is, if we believe that we have to work to earn or keep our salvation, we miss out on what God truly did for us. Recently, I had my own life situation. In fact, it fell right in line with as I was preparing for this message that really demonstrated grace that I want to quickly share with you for no other reason except to bring you encouragement. Uh, last year, Bud was facing a lot of health issues, and his cardiologist um, ordered a bunch of tests, really expensive tests. We went through the whole process. They said the insurance was going to pay for it, and we went ahead and did it. They did not. And when the bill for $9,000 came in, we were devastated, absolutely devastated. Due to an error on their part, we were facing a bill that we could not pay. After working with the hospital for several months, uh, we explained to them our situation and Bud couldn't work and, you know, I was here taking care of helping with the grandbabies and we were needed and on and on and on. They reduced it to $3,000. That was, you know, that something anyway. But when that bill came in, the lowered bill, I knew I still couldn't pay it all in one shot, so I called the finance office. And I said, well, I was on the phone while I was on hold because she was looking it up because she was confused from the get-go. And I'm like, I don't know what you're confused about. I don't have $3,000. So I'm figuring out in my head, you know, how many years it's going to take me to pay this thing off. And so you got to picture this. Brooklyn and Audrey are in full MMA at this point because where else are children when you're on the phone? They were outside. Any mothers understand what I'm saying? They were outside till they heard me on the phone, and then suddenly one was on one leg and one was on the other, so I'm kind of yelling above the uh, screaming. And I'm saying, okay, yes, yes, ma'am, I understand. I understand the lower bill has come in, but I can't pay it all right, right now. I need to put together a payment plan. She's confused totally, and she starts yelling, over what she fears is somebody losing their life. And she just starts saying, Mrs. Henderson, your bill is paid in full. I'm like, 
get out of here, go outside, go, yes, 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 go dig in the yard, whatever you want. What? Apparently, even after the lowered bill had been mailed out, somebody in the hospital, in authority, decided, we're just going to clear it off. This is a picture of grace, guys. This is the picture of grace. While I am actively working on a plan to pay it off, it had already been done. I hope that makes it clear. Our second note is, while we are trying to solve our own problems and challenges, God already has provided the answer in the background. That brings us back to the truth of our salvation. While we were stuck in sin and shame, trying to make our way to God on our own, he had already sent his son to pay the debt in full. So if you're following along, I know it's taken a while to get to my scripture. I promise that doesn't mean it's going to be a long sermon. But it's Romans 8, of 35 through 39 is where we're going to spend the next couple of moments. Um, Paul asked the questions. Is there anything we can do to make God not love us? And does it mean he stopped loving or caring for us when we're faced with adversity? And when you read that in the word, I was thinking about the truth of that. There's a place in the Bible where it says, um, if everything that Jesus did was written down, there would be no room on earth for all that he did. So when you think about the Holy Spirit breathing and speaking words into the writers of the Bible and deciding what needed to be in there, it shows me that he knew we would have these questions, and it's okay to ask them. And so Paul, we realized that Christians through the years needed to know the answers to this. Why is it so hard for us to believe that it is a free gift? Like those students, we, we, we make conditional what God says is unconditional. We think it's a free ride, and we don't quite understand it. We believe that there has to be some strings attached. Fine print has to be somewhere. So let's read again in Romans 8, starting in verse 35, how Paul deals with this. He begins, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we're in trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? In verse 36, and I'm going to explain that in a minute, so just bear with me. As the scriptures say, for your sake we're killed every day, we're being slaughtered like sheep. I know that's weird. I promise I'm going to explain that one. But here he is answering what inevitably the, the, the Christians then had a question about and what we do as well. There it is, the two questions that we're afraid to ask. Can anything separate us from God's love? And does it mean he no longer loves us if? Okay. If I'm sick, if I'm struggling financially, if times are lean, if work is slow, if I didn't get the job, does it mean he doesn't love us? What do you do when you know you've done everything right and something bad still happens? You still lose your job. A $9,000 bill comes in. When your marriage is still struggling, when that 
person in your life, a son, a daughter, a sister, a mother, a brother, a father that you have prayed for, sometimes for 30 years, still has not answered the call to following you to Jesus. What do we do? The thing to understand is that even when we don't see things changing in the natural, just like that bill, God is working in the background, in the supernatural realm. It does not mean that he has stopped loving us or that we have lost his love. And here's our next one. You see, the presence of adversity doesn't mean the absence of God's presence. And I was talking to Danny about that. You know, I think this one, I think we've talked about, you know, putting um, words of encouragement up. I would, I would just encourage you to do that because I know for me, this is one that I need to see daily. Because there's adversity present doesn't mean that God is absent. So many believers walk away from God when trouble comes because they believe they've either done something wrong or alternately God has let them down. Again, they thought that living for God was going to mean all their friends were going to follow them. Their family was going to follow them to church. I, I talked about it in a, a sermon a couple of months ago. Gave my heart to the Lord when I was 16 and wanted to put up posters with my phone number. Yeah in my high school. Yeah, my mom didn't go for that. But, and I was shocked, shocked that my friends and family didn't want what I had. What if your marriage is struggling? What if there's a relationship in your family that you expected when you gave your heart to God was just going to instantly heal itself? The truth of the matter is our loved ones need the same time and space that we did to hear and heed the call of Jesus' gift. Our marriages, they need time to heal from years and years of past hurts and mistakes. And before we go further, I really want to deal with that verse about the sheep, because that's strange, but I want to explain it. Paul, when he is writing this, he's quoting actually Psalms 44 and 22. And he says, yet for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. What God knew back in the Old Testament, we're talking about that in, in um, Next Step class this morning, what God knew in the Old Testament is that when the New Testament was written, the New Testament Christians were going to be persecuted. And we'll talk about that for a second. So to understand this idea of them being um, that they're facing death all day long. We have to do a little bit of homework. So during this time, Rome was the modern-day Washington, D.C. All political and um, government things were set there. They were known to be very tolerant of religions. Pretty much in Rome, anything went, including Christians, Christian Jews, and, and the Jews in general until it was not. Suddenly, under the rule of Emperor Claudius, all Jews, including the Christian Jews, were banished from Rome. And under the cruel Emperor Nero, Christians were caught, set on fire alive, impaled on, on sticks, and used to light the Emperor Nero's gardens. 
This is what the Christians were facing at this time. And that's why they were asking, if we're persecuted, if we're facing death, does it mean he has stopped loving us? And I love Romans 8. We're just going through those couple of verses together. Romans 8, verse 37. Paul's reaction is perfect. And I say this to you this morning. If you have that question, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. This is so key, guys. This is so powerful for us to understand. If you look up the definition of the word despite, it means in spite of, in the face of all these things. But my favorite one is undeterred by, undeterred by, undeterred by the fact that they were hunted, undeterred by the fact that death might be imminent, undeterred by a $9,000 bill, undeterred by relationship issues, undeterred by illness. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. The questions that we still, I'm sorry, the questions were still there from the believers, but the faith in the one who set them free brought the victory, and this is important. If it was okay for those Christians to ask does this mean that God has stopped loving me? Guess what? It's okay for us to ask those questions as well. The beauty is the answer is the same. No, overwhelming victory is ours. And it goes on to say in verses 38 through 39, Paul says, it's some of my favorite, favorite scriptures. And I am convinced, meaning nothing can change my mind, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, not our fears for today or our worries for tomorrow. Hello, I'm in there. That's mine in the list. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. Wow. Do you find yourself in that list? Do you see the things that you have been dealing with in that list? I can. Again, mine is the fear for today and the worries for tomorrow. I try not to. I really do. I, I've said it before. Um, Coming out to California has been such a walk of faith for Bud and I, having owned restaurants for all of our lives basically together, and all of the other things that I did, you know, we didn't really have to worry about too much. If I needed something, I got that $9,000 bill, I knew how to work it off. But when you're in a position where you have to rely on grace, wow, that's hard. That's hard to rely on God totally for everything. Yours in this list might be the same as mine, or maybe because of an illness in your life or in a family member's life, there is that possibility of death. There is, as, as scary as that sounds, maybe it is that marriage, that relationship that we've talked about. If, is it finances? Is that in there, Mary? It's in there. Does it include the supernatural, the things that I don't understand? It is in there. 
Surely, surely you think the enemy can lure me away from God with the sin that's in my life or the things that have plagued me. It's in there. And he answers, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Sounds impossible, right? But I want you to think about this truth. Every time this pops into your head, I don't think that God can forgive me for that. That that one, mm -mm. If Jesus' life-giving, soul-saving, power-giving blood could be overturned by your sin, how powerful was it to begin with? Let that just kind of sink in. I can't tell you how many times I've had a young person through the years come and tell me that, Miss Mary, there's no way that God can forgive me for this. There's no way that it can't. There's no way that what we face and what we do and what we're lacking in could ever change that. If our fears, our worries, the lure of the enemy, our mistakes were strong enough to take back or retract what Jesus did for us, what power did it hold to begin with? We think it's a possibility because we equate the things of God with the things of earth. We bring him down to our level. The truth is, understanding that has set me free from a bondage even after I became a Christian. Somewhere along the line, I started to realize that I switched things and it became all about me. And it's not. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. In closing today, I want to read a a scripture to you and then I really want to give you some practical things. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. We sing this in so many of our worship songs. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, and in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our last note is, if we can name a situation, there is a name above all names that we can declare above that situation. There is a grace bigger than what you're facing. No matter what you have said, no matter what has been said about you, no matter what people have have ever thought of you, I can't tell you how many times in high school people would in authority would say, well, there's not much there, but you have a few gifts, but. And God said, no, Mary, I have something special for you. I have things for you to do that you can't even imagine. And I speak the same over you today. If you've been told that you can only, you won't ever, Let me speak over that situation, not in my power, but in the name above all other names. You can and you will do great things for God. What is it that has you questioning God's love today? Is it finances, your job, your marriage, fear, worry, trying to find what it is that God has for your life, your health, so many things that plague our minds. Here's your challenge for this coming week again as we close. Whatever you can name, begin to call out to the name above all names. 
His name is higher than that situation. How do we do that? Maybe it's something as practical as writing down what it is that has been worrying you. And right above it, write the name Jesus. And it's a constant reminder to you daily that he is above whatever situation you are facing. For some of you, maybe it's lying in bed before your feet even hit the ground in the morning. Speak that scripture. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Pray those verses as I demonstrated a few weeks ago, which is simply going through these verses this week and praying them as a prayer. I believe that as we do this, as we practice this, as we make it a part of our lives, we will see that overwhelming victory that is ours through Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Jesus, I thank you for the truth that nothing ever in any way can separate us from you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I thank you for all that you have done and accomplished on the cross and as you were resurrected. I thank you that you can give us the same power and the same overwhelming victory and the same authority over the things that we face as you did those Christians back in Rome. Father, I pray this week that we would see your glory, that we would see your hand move, and that we would declare over our situations, you are Lord. I ask this in the precious and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.